and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, as always, Timuchin, here in Chicago, where we have a heat wave up in the 40s over here. Just go around with a t-shirt kind of weather. Well, not that good, but compared to last week or so, this is pretty great. So I will take it with us. We're back together again, three. I think this is like the second time all freaking year. That has been a weird-ass year so far. Uh, Gally is with us, as always. Gally, what's happening? Ah, just enjoying some of that balmy 40-degree weather you have out in Chicago because we had negative 12 on Saturday afternoon, and uh, the dog didn't give a shit. He still wanted to go outside. <laughs> so that's pretty cold, let me tell you that right now. Uh, Alan says, good evening and greetings. Brian is with us as always, and a guy who's somehow always cold and wearing layers and layers is Bickler reporting live from the stadium. Must be windy over there. What's going on, Bickler? Yeah, it's chilly over here, Frank. Uh, no, I, uh, yeah, I coming off the back of being sick and uh, on a lot of antibiotics and come to find out that you still get prescribed antibiotics even if you're dead inside. So that's what we learned this week. <laughs> that's That's always good. Whatever works, whatever works. Yeah, we missed you last week uh thanks to well not thanks to uh due to the cold i should say not thanks to the cold but a uh, couple of things to get so i kind of like wanted to touch on this before we kind of like really get started and um so obviously everybody probably knows anybody who follows knows that i am originally from uh, turkey by the way uh i liverpool can't spell it apparently it's true now i've been saying it turkey all day too but uh, i don't know if you guys heard but like a brutal i kind of like woke up to a bazillion messages this morning so i kind of like wanted to take the time this is like liverpool suite from earlier this morning uh, regarding the earthquake that happened uh turkey and syria it's huge and it's just i mean like i say when i first woke up i did not realize the scope of the ordeal uh, it was more about where is it at? Okay, the family is safe kind of deal. Then we went on air with the Polish prince. Uh, I had just seen the tweet right before and stuff, but uh, I kind of like tried to respond to all the messages. So I kind of wanted to take the time. A lot of people uh, who are honestly like only acquaintances through this Liverpool club and American scouts and stuff like that. So it was definitely nice to like hear from everybody. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, it's kind of like a rough ordeal. And honestly, like after the show, as I looked into more of it and I talked to my brother and some people over there, and stuff and uh we're kind of like still missing a couple of acquaintances i have not heard from and stuff but yeah it's it's bad i've never seen anything like this bad in terms of an earthquake and stuff but it's the kind of stuff man i mean you guys know uh personally not obviously live audience but i have a couple of things like this 2023 has been odd overall where uh it's a disaster that hasn't struck close but enough close enough to kind of help put things in perspective and remember what's important and stuff. And I like really this morning, I wanted to like thank everybody because I was really like kind of like touched in the fact that everybody like reached out and stuff. That's the whole concept of this uh, Liverpool community we're trying to build over here. So I really do appreciate that. And uh, the family and everything is still safe, uh, but obviously like destruction all over the place. So uh, I do have a couple of like ways to, help from here in terms of like financial aid and stuff like that so if anybody's interested just shoot me a message i'm not going to broadcast it over american scouser but if you're interested just shoot me a message and i can send you guys a link and stuff like that so uh but now that i brought the mood down uh let's cheer me up and nothing cheers me up like seeing you guys struggle with trivia so that's yeah i'm not thing. sure that this is the right uh segue or transition because i was thinking to myself we were starting out on a real good note we were gonna like say some nice things about you or about like the people 
And now I feel like I want to curse you out. So thanks for bringing this back hey, down. Whatever, exactly, I'm trying to cheer I mean, myself up over here. 20, <laughs> 2023, I guess we bring it back to Liverpool Football Club and just make everything shitty. Thank yeah, you. unfortunately. Thank you. I don't know what's, more, what's more depressing, talking about this team uh, overall or what we're going through. Oh, it's but trivia. BJ is with us as always. BJ, what's going on, man? Holy cow. Pretty soon you're not even going to be on the screen. It's just going to be a background with your head. It's like yeah, a I'm, small square. I'm, I'm still trying to make a uh, galley very jealous with the... Uh... I, it's not working. I just it's want you to tell. know, BJ. It's not working. I can well, I can, I'm keep switching things around here and there just to make it fun. Uh, what do you uh, have for us, BJ? Well, you know, <laughs> since you were able to duck me again last week, this is only our second one we've been able to do here. And, of course, that one turned into an impromptu Jeopardy one because of technical <laughs> issues where I gave you the answer before giving you the question. I think we have that 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 solved now, so... We're going to try another one of those name those players or name the player things. I think that worked out well. So I'm going to give you a few facts about a player. And then we get to play Galley and Bickler's all-time favorite. Name the current Liverpool player. And notice nothing about Steven Gerrard because I said current player. So trying to give you hints here. So here we go. Name this player. He was born 364 days after Liverpool's first Premier League match. Almost a year. He's been in three Premier League Cubs in his in his career. All three are currently in Premier League, but his first club was actually down in League One for the two seasons he was there. He was responsible for helping him get up to championship. His second club, the last appearance, was a 4-0 loss to Liverpool at Anfield and he signed with Liverpool four days later for 35 million pounds. 18 goals, 13 assists, and 143 appearances, which haven't been as many as one would have expected because he's had some serious injury problems, including a very bad knee injury, which kept him out most of the 2018 and 19 season. I feel like this is a beach ball, even for you guys. Bickler. Can we just can we do it together? Should we just like <laughs> one, two, three? It's a great opportunity. I mean, Christ. Yes. This Dude, question got... is a really good opportunity for, <laughs> for the uh, two of us to look yeah. smart. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> this this is what we've gone down. So I think there were way too many tips over there. Even these guys are like got it. But yeah, good old Ox, who is leading. Uh, we were talking about it in our uh, pre-show of Fist Fight that uh, it was <laughs> Metoish still thinks is uh, Steven Gerrard. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about in the the pre-match in uh, the pre-show uh, conversation. Good that job, he's Alan. One of the leading scorers right now uh, for us in this year because we have not scored a whole lot. Who did you say, Galley, were the top scorers apart from the dude with his own goals? Uh it's 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 Van Dyke with one. It is, I believe, Salah with one. It is Ox with one and Bashitic with one. Yes, like, sad, that, sad. That's when you know. And so Wout, the four, horse, the Wout four horsemen two. of the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, Wout has two. Not. So we'll definitely go back and talk about the Wolves games. I want to kind of get like to the second biggest news first. But BJ, thanks a lot as always, man. you got to make care, this for these guys. You know, there's a, there's Next a problem gonna be and both of them will get it right. <laughs> I'm coming for you next week. Next week, I figured as much. <laughs> we'll we'll be here to ruin the segment best we can. Uh, so 
let's go with this. So this is probably, I mean, uh, like I say, when I woke up, uh, the phone was blowing up with all the messages and texts and stuff. And then also a bazillion Discord notifications uh, due to the news today that, guess what? City was cheating all along. <laughs> Nobody saw this coming. <laughs> Not shit. So City was cheating all along. Who knew? I think every City fan even knew. So obviously now they're trying to... There's a lot more to this. Obviously now it's the Premier League. And the biggest thing is obviously there is no appeal for this. Premier League can do whatever the hell they want. Uh, let's talk about that. So Bickler, what the hell do you think will they do? You're the ultimate pessimist, so give us your pessimistic view. This is so weird because, like, you know, at first I saw it and didn't really pay any attention to it, and then, like, everybody was blowing it up on Discord talking about what a big deal it is. And, like, look, like, I hope something comes out of this. Like, my gut feeling is, like, one of somewhat, like, it, to me, it's almost like just part of February. Like it's just part of the season. Like every, I feel like every February, this this is like actually part of a, a a full season. Is you get one city story about rules breaches. So like for me, it's like I I mean it generally feels like they get themselves out of this situation the same way they got themselves into a situation with a sack of money, right? And so like I do hope there is some real fruit to any of this outside of you owe some federation a large chunk of money you know like there's got to be real like lasting consequences especially when you look at the landscape of the premier league and what's happening from an ownership standpoint across the board yeah i mean it's a big chance for them to great opportunity for them to kind of like set the record straight and see that you know show that they mean business but what do you think galley i mean it feels like if they did not have enough or more than enough, they would not have taken this step in the first place. This looks pretty darn serious. And compared to the other one where there is no appeal and shadiness, this looks like it's here to stick. Yeah, there's a couple things to it. And I'll unpack what Paul said, and I don't disagree with him by any stretch of it. Every year we hear about something. But most years, those were those were UEFA charges. Yes. And City became the UEFA darlings as soon as they basically took the head of their – uh, their board chairman, basically the head of the city group and made him the head of the ethics committee for UEFA. And then as soon as he denounced the, he was the first big club owner to denounce the super league, whether they really were involved or not. And no one will ever know, but he was the first to kill it. And then quickly PSG followed suit. And all of a sudden, both of their UEFA breaches went away. Like it was like out, overnight, they were both allowed to spend billions and have illegal, you know, endorsement deals. This is actually a lot worse. And, you know, when you hear about a grand jury getting like 35 charges and coming in with two, you're like, they did everything they could to convince themselves there was enough to have these charges for whatever reason. Maybe it's the DA's career, right? The Premier League brought, wheeled it down a hundred plus charges where 90 or more are the most severe charges they've ever brought out ever against any club. They look to me like they, this looks like anyone who followed American sports, like what the NCAA looked like when they came down on SMU. And it was the, they called it a death penalty for a reason, people, because they didn't come out with a, with an idea of anything, but cutting off the head. So 
it'll be really interesting for me too. Do I think they're going to get automatic relegation or drop to like the national league? I don't like there is precedent though. Juve got sent three levels down. Um, They're just been found for less charges found guilty by their conference and their federation. And for the Italians of all people, to hammer not only one of their own, but their best, you better come down hard on the cheating frauds who bought their way to the table. And that to me is the biggest thing. I, 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 I think this is real. I, I think they're going to lose the title this year that I proclaimed they were going to win, which is probably why this all happened is because I declared them winners yesterday afternoon, <laughs> right before they lost um, on Discord. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably it's right on me, right with the right with the Liverpool match. Uh, can't get any worse than it fucking did. We'll get to that, <laughs> but I I think it can get worse for City, and there I said it, and it probably will. Yeah, I mean Brian says at least a fifteen point deduction, and I don't is a fine. See, I really think there is no way in hell they will do just a fine. This is way more serious than that, and there's I think I'm glad you brought up that Juventus thing because I think that sets up a huge thing to look at right i mean it's a much much lesser and a shorter period of time that juventus is doing and this is what they get normally i can see them saying you know if they were really stuck and didn't know what to do they were like what do they get 15 let's do 16 then uh it would be more and then uh they can pay a hundred thousand because i mean finding someone bickler who is cheating with money it makes no freaking sense because they have money to cheat with in the first place Right. That's the entire idea behind the entire concept. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when you want, what are you going to do when a sovereign country owns a team? You're going to find it like, dude, <laughs> like, so I think, I think when you look at it, the precedent, if they're serious about this and there is going to be any sort of punitive action out of this, like, I, I think at the very least you have to be looking at them dropping divisions. You have to like to in in my opinion, like it doesn't make sense due to a points deduction. Like to me, that you have to be dropping divisions at this point. And and uh so like I mean I think you're either gonna be serious about it and you're not gonna do anything, or you are and they're gonna drop divisions and there's gonna be those kind of ramifications. And then you get into like title forfeiture stuff, which is scary too. And I don't know because like and I honestly blame the entire FA for this bullshit because they've allowed it to go on for so long that it's already permanently altered the premier league landscape. Um, And so now you got to look at all these clubs and what these seasons would have meant for them. Had you had a normal city side that wasn't completely loaded. And I think that's super unfair to both players and supporters alike. It's just, I'm, I'm angry at the FA for allowing it to continue to be perfectly honest. And you're either going to do nothing about it, or are you going to put your foot down? If you put your foot down, you're dropping them You drop them down leagues. So this is like the interesting thing, right? I mean, there's a bunch of things they can do. Uh, relegation, point deduction, fine, and stuff like that. I think we agree that just a fine does not seem like an option for being a punishment. Nah. So point deduction, relegation, and obviously if it's a point deduction and stuff, will they apply it to past seasons? So – that's where I think it gets a little sticky because here's the thing. There's like two ways. And Gally, uh, let me know what you think on this. But uh, so James says, personally, I think they'll be sent to the championship for a season. I don't think they'll mind. They'll bounce straight back up, which also tells almost tells me that it's not enough of a punishment 
because any team will be like, what are we going to do? Win a bunch of titles for one season? Done. It's a good deal. A lot of fan bases will take that, right? Bunch of titles. Not the embarrassment part of it, obviously, but they would take, you know, one one season of disaster that they're going to bounce right back up on for all those titles and doubles and triples and stuff like that. But at the same time, Gally, you open a huge can of worms. When you go back to the past and do point deductions there, because it's easy to say, you know, James, I think Brian was saying too, I mean, it's not just the titles we're talking about. Now you're opening a can of worms because the guy who's five can come back and say, well, if they weren't cheating, we were in the Champions League. Who's going to compensate us for that? So it's a huge can of worms if you go back. I know there's lots of comments and I appreciate all the comments and keep them coming. People, this is obviously a topic that's hitting on your nerve, which, and, and you want to hear us talk about. So we appreciate that. I, I don't, I don't want any back titles. Like I'm going to be honest. I know everyone in the discord today was like, Oh, let's have a 10 point deduction for the last 10 years. And that way we get our three titles and United doesn't get theirs. city can keep two. Like, Let's get over ourselves here. Take away every fucking title if you want. Strip them from the record book. Put no name up top. Strip them from the FA Cup. Strip them from the League Cups. Do whatever you want to do for history's sake about City. You can't award Liverpool a championship they didn't win. You can't award people. Because what about the team in the semifinal that lost in the League Cup? They want their chance at Wembley. We're going to replay the match? What about the, you know... Before you know it, you'll have Sunderland players coming out of the woodwork screaming, we should have got this. We wouldn't have been relegated if they weren't this team. Like, it's just a nutty comparison. And it doesn't matter what sport you talk about. When cheaters get caught, you deal with it in the future by making a point of it so others don't do it. This shouldn't be about hurting City or their supporters in the past. This is about destroying the city of now. Because it lets teams in the future know this won't be tolerated. And Newcastle, watch a goddamn step. That's what it's basically about for me. And and by the way, probably the new Liverpool and United owners that will get announced and in the next 12 months. Yeah, that's a great point. Because I think that almost makes everybody who was about to be like, yeah, we'll buy. Wait, wait, wait. What's happening over there? And then they make them maybe think twice. And I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, even if they went back and gave the titles, James says, yeah, yeah make him vacant. I mean... Does it really matter? I mean, apart from a number on the wall, that's the only thing that's going to change. It's not like we're going to go back and, like, celebrate and have, like, you know, go around and around the town, like, you know, do multiple parades for all the ones we missed. But at the same time, it has to send a strong enough of a message, mainly because what Galley is saying, Bickler, not only to City, but already there's a lot of rumblings about all, you know, all the new ownerships and which way the league is headed and how it should be evaluated and stuff. Well, now it also sends a message to don't fuck with us to all these other new owners that are coming in with unlimited money. Yeah, I mean, well, the, you just answered the question as to why now, right? I mean, we've been dealing with this for so many years. Why why all these charges now, right? I mean, surely there's some things that have recently developed. But they could have gone after this previously. You just got your answer. It, essentially, well, there's going to be three very historic clubs in this league for sale at a time where there's major, major interest now from the Middle East in, in EPL money and EPL ownerships of teams. So I think I think that's I think that's the bottom line is we're seeing it now out of a renewed urgency from the FA because they have to. Um, and 
I think that's slightly annoying to me. Like, you know, why can't we just do these things because it's the right thing to do? Uh, but I mean, I, if it, ha- I, you know, anything that betters this game for the long run, obviously, I, I think this is a long, long, uh, long game, a good move off the bat for for the sport. And will it help you think, uh, Gally, or will people just going to look at this case and be like, yeah, we shouldn't probably do that. It's like when you see like a murder case, you're like, yeah, I should probably bury the body deeper because this guy got caught. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, <laughs> I was just going to say, what it's really going to do is it's going to tell the next cheating side that you better do your cheating better than this or you're going to get caught. But these guys figured out a way to cheat this well for 10 years to the point that they won everything. Domestically, they've won the effing lot. Like, if, if you know, we sing about it. Domestically, City has done it for a decade. Now, they might have been cheating. They did it with beautiful football on the field. And I don't want to get past that either. Like, this shouldn't be an indictment on the team or the play. It should be an indictment on the method in which they put it all together. Now, someone made a comment in there, though, asking, like, I think it was maybe Alan, like, will Pep resign? Now, Pep was boisterous. And stood up and said, they promised me, they swore me, they've never cheated, they've done nothing wrong, and if they ever do, I'm out. And he just re-signed the deal. I'll tell you this right now, he's not going to like this one bit. And I think they knew yesterday this was coming. Because the more I think about it now, they looked aside. They were playing, he was managing, even as animated as he was at times. Like, that's not a normal afternoon where Pepside just gets embarrassed tactically on the pitch and kind of looks pedestrian. And I think they they looked like they knew something big. They looked like they were playing with something more than just tired legs yesterday. And maybe they knew this bomb was about to drop. And I'll tell you what, I would not want to be them playing Arsenal next week because you want to talk about tails being up. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. While I understand what you're saying with the play, I mean, because Matush, when we were doing the morning show this morning and then when the news first came out, like we were talking about it, then he mentioned the same thing, you know, like not to hold it against the players and stuff. But and yeah, they did it with beautiful football, but that's because there are guys on the field that should not be there. So the guy you're passing to probably should not be there or you should not be there. So either way, the, the way the lineup is created and the way that play is formed should never happen in the first place. So to me, it's hard to give credit to, and I'm not buying Pep's. I mean, really, who in their right mind thought City can generate more income? City, who can't even fill the stands, was generating more income. I mean, Pep yeah. had to know. I mean, for him to say, oh, they promised me. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> it's like, what the hell is this? Like, so that's I mean, why he's I, Mother I, Teresa. I don't understand how people, I don't think there is a City fan, all five of them probably know that this was happening right Bigler? i mean there's no way there's like anybody out there was like no we're just doing like really good business i mean like, pep's smarter than that i mean come on man this dude's managed at the biggest clubs in the world barcelona included so he's seen what that looks like i mean uh you, you just can't say he doesn't look at that stadium and that following and it it know on the global scale that they're nowhere near Real Madrid and, and the Giants of Bayern and all those guys. Like, it's just – there's no way, man. Um, but that was like – it gets to the point where there's so many red flags that, like, 
the accumulation of red flags is there, right? But you almost don't realize how big the individual red flags are because you're just like, there's just so many. And uh, it's just laughable what's going on for as long as it is because it just takes <laughs> just it just takes common sense, man. Like I don't I don't even it's just a weird thing to discuss because from a common sense standpoint, we've known this for like uh like five ten five, ten years. Like everybody knew it, and it was almost like one of those deals where like everybody knows it, but nobody can prove it. It's like the freaking mafia. Like everybody knows what's going on. We can never prove it. Caught him in the you know catch him in the act kind of thing. But like we were talking, there has to be a reason why they brought these charges on now. So what is your gut feeling? Obviously, over the next days, you know, we'll we'll get more and more information, Gally. But what is your gut feeling right now on February sixth? that what the punishment is going to be and how soon do you think it will even come down? Cause I feel like there is like a plane of lawyers flying out of uh, like Qatar airways right now <laughs> into England to be able to fight this off. I feel like it'll come down at some point the remainder of the season. I don't know that it's going to come out early. Um, and the only reason I say it is I think they're going to want to fight and try to figure this out. And I think to Paul's point, I think the only thing that really hurts is dropping them a division, but I don't know that you ever relegate a team and literally tell them they're relegated because out of just what it could do to the fair balance for the other teams battling to be the last two teams. So this is my bet. I think they give them a hefty points reduction and maybe the, the standard 15 that Juventus got purely because it will knock them out of basically it'll put them. I mean, <laughs> it'll put them one point ahead of us. So it'll basically put them into mediocrity and, uh, They'll, they'll just become a mid-table team. But what that really does is it makes them still play hard and you can call competitive balance and fairness. And then when the season ends, they finished 18th and the last two teams go down with them. And I think, but you don't tell anyone that till it's over. So the team's fighting for 16, 17, 18, I think is actually what ends up being how they save face. That's if they automatic relegate them. If not, they probably have to get a transfer ban too, just to try to stop them from, but I don't know how much England FA can actually enforce that. There's certain things they can do to them. I don't know. They can put a transfer ban on them. Yeah. I didn't see that as one of the options, but you would think, I mean, if you got caught with all these things, now you balance the books. It's like, you know, tax evasion, right? Like you're like, okay, well you owe this now. So you can't have this guy, this guy, this guy, you have to shave all these guys off. So they will have to, eliminate a lot of the wages or whatever the case might be um yeah that's another thing by the way if they do if they do relegate them i was not sure if they would only relegate two other teams with them or it would be something where they would have one more team come up from the championship i thought when it happened in the past i think so too i just don't know like how that would like go about which you know obviously helps one team out and saves the day for them uh, and like, you know, like a lucky winner is kind of an ordeal. But uh, Bickler, what is your gut feeling on what the punishment will be? God, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. I just, I still feel like, I guess I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop where it's like, oh, such and such was obtained by an email illegally. And therefore it's no longer usable evidence. And that knocks out all 94 charges. Like I, uh, so like I, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, what Galley says makes sense in terms of just giving the point deduction and then the, the big one come later. But like, I mean, I don't know. 
I don't, I have no idea how these things work and how they work through the, the legal process and go through all the hoops to, to settle out. Yeah, I, man, I feel like the 15 point deduction is just not, if it wasn't for the Juventus ordeal, I would have said, you know what, that sounds about right. But after seeing what happened with Juventus, for much less to give the same punishments makes FA look bad. And let's face it, like Gally was saying, this is all about FA making themselves look good and legit and showing, you know, putting the fist on the table, if you will, and saying like, hey, you know what? We run the joint over here and this is how it's going to go. Just imagine the world, though, guys, where the FA decides that only three teams are going down and the 18th team is just saved automatically, right? And Kazi has to wake up that morning and decide if he's happier that City got relegated for cheating and because of it, they fucking saved Everton and they get to stay up for another year. Like that, that would be like Spurs fans watching Drogba bury that freaking penalty, right? Against Barca, Barca in the Champions League final and be like, no, Chelsea just won the Champions League from sixth place. And after 20 years of waiting to get back in the Champions League, Spurs fans were like, hey, in your win, you're going to Europa. Good for you. Like that'd be like, oh, City goes down. De Bruyne is available. Oh, wait. Everton stays up. Ah, shit. This sucks. I just feel like that's the thing. Going back and, you know, to all the seasons they did this throughout and doing something open such a big can of worms, I feel like they would try to stay away from that. I had nothing thought of that option. That kind of, like, makes more sense to me is maybe, like, leaving it vacant and taking the titles away from them and not dealing with the aftermath that way because it just opens so many can of worms that they probably uh, would not want to do. Well, speaking of can of worms, uh, I guess we do have to talk about this game. Honestly, if it goes like this for a couple of weeks, I'm just going to make different segments where we just bring recipes and share them and cook or some shit on the show. Uh, we can show we can show everyone how Bickler makes soup and eats it out of a pot or something like that as entertainments uh, coming up. But what the hell do you make of this game? And was this the worst performance we've had all season, including the Brighton game, Bickler? I didn't think it was worse than Brighton, but it was bad. It was really bad. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired of doing this, dude. Every fucking week, it's just the it's the Fulham game on on repeat. It literally is. It's like two goals seemingly out of nothing because we don't want to clear our own box, and we just you know everybody talks about everybody talks about like well oh you know they you know we're playing well just two unlucky breaks. It's like you know what this is a league where you make your own luck and like. We look at the season where we won everything and dominated and scored 100 plus goals in the season. Those multiple years where we were really firing on all those cylinders, like, and everybody talks about how many penalties you got. It's the same thing. We got penalties because we were always consistently a threat in the box on the break, making teams defend. And that's what's happening now. It's like, yeah, okay, these are deflected goals or they're like, they're coming in off these weird situations. Well, like, those don't happen if you're not in your own box. And like, that's the bottom line is, you know, in the first 12 minutes of the game, we played half of it in our own box and get smoked on two, two uh, chances that they had. And, and that's the game because right now we're not at a, a anywhere near being able to score and compete on a level. We're just going to outscore folks. And that's the thing. I think Gally, I mean, yeah, we do feel like it's like groundhog day. We keep talking about like poor performances one after another. What I like, what frustrated me the most in this game 
was the fact that we look so out of it. Like the confidence is in the shitter, like zero right now. And we're almost waiting for something to go wrong to even shatter that. Like you kind of play, you start the game, you're like, maybe this is the game, guys. And they're like, here we fucking go again. And we make a mistake, we concede, and it went downhill. But you, as you watch the game, the thing that really got to me was our press is not there. I mean, it almost feels like the front three doesn't know where they should be. Nobody knows where they should go. Everybody's kind of second-guessing themselves. And that has to go at the end of the day. I don't care about the midfield signing, FSG, blah, blah, blah. To me, it has to go to Klopp that these guys are not ready to play physically and probably mentally as well. So Galley can't hear anything. Can you hear me, Bickler? I can. Yeah. Okay. I well, can. Why don't no, you I answer can. that, damn it? Oh, now so I can. What? I couldn't hear. I oh, dropped okay. it for a second. Well, but I, I heard a bunch. Me it was well. it was it was about the press. It was about everything that doesn't work and, and like it's groundhog day, but you, then... you heard the gist of it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like I feel like I feel like this Liverpool season is almost like Groundhog's Day, except for in Groundhog's Day, you wake up and you wonder if something like what the answer is gonna be. And I feel like this is like the groundhog day where like you get there in the morning and you go to wake up the groundhog. And like somewhere during the winter, like in hibernation, the groundhog died. And you're like, well, the groundhog isn't here, kids. He's not coming out today. No, you think I'm crazy, but this is really what happened. Like I'm waiting for the team to show up and we'll figure out, is this the real Liverpool side or is this the new 2023 Liverpool side that can't score or anything? And I, I'm kind of using the analogy that like we tried to wake up Liverpool this morning and folks, they're dead. Because that's what I feel like when I watch them. I feel like the entire process doesn't work anymore and everything they're trying to do. You always talk about how they never look like they're connected when they're pressing, right? And I agree with you. I don't think they're connected when they're defending. I don't think they're connected on a set piece. What Van D- or what Matip and Gomez did in that match was criminal. And, I mean, Kara said it right. Like, don't judge a center back playing next to Virgil van Dyke and the leader of the defense. Judge that same center back when they have to be the leader. And the two of them ran around like chickens with their head cut off. And I think they made Trent look worse. They made Rubble look worse. They probably made the 19-year-old in front of them who was the best player on the pitch once again, a kid we didn't know his name, rightfully so, over the summer because we didn't need more midfielders because we had enough. We didn't even know our best midfielder wasn't in the equation. that's the frustrating part and i think the whole defending is mainly to me starts from that front and that front three has no idea where to start the press who's starting the press and it feels so bad like it's like watching this team where everybody's two seconds behind like we have brutal wi-fi and we're playing on a lag and everybody else is like playing at a normal speed or something is it as simple as just not having zero confidence bickler because i mean I don't know. I'm pretty sure everybody has been on teams where you're just waiting for some shit to go wrong, right? Because it goes wrong, wrong, wrong. You're like, some shit's going to go wrong. And there are times where, and that's how Liverpool was before, where even if something goes wrong, you're so freaking confident. You're like, this is going to turn around. There's like nothing to it. And you play like that. And I feel like the complete opposite is happening where you kind of start every game like, okay, okay, today is the day. We're going to fix this stuff right. And something happens, and you're like, oh, fucking hell, here we go again. And obviously, we concede the first goal all the goddamn time. So here we go again. Is it as simple as confidence? 
Um, I don't think it's as simple as that. I think really it boils down to the fact that this, the core of this team was together for essentially six seasons. And now you've got a front line that's completely new. I mean, Mo's sitting there. He's practically playing different still for some reason, but like he's sitting there with two players that he's un- pretty unfamiliar with in Nunez and uh, in Gakpo. And, you know, Gakpo is still unpacking his bags and Nunez is, he's playing centrally, but he is about as far as you could possibly get from Bobby in terms of like strengths and weaknesses and how he yeah. plays. Like you could not pick two opposite um, strikers in terms of ability and way they play. Um, in terms of their mindset. And I think I, when I look at that front three, I see a front three that doesn't move together. And the problem, they even, not, not only do they not moving together, but they're moving into each other's spaces and crowding each other out. Like, it, it, and so it's like, those are, to me, that's just unfamiliarity with these players in general. That's one thing I do, man, there are some things that I saw the last match in terms of effort that, that those are the things that that really bother me because like when was the last time we ever questioned effort with the Klopp side and like you know when he came in and he sort of like rejuvenated the culture and the club with the players like the one of the big things is like he made football fun again like even if you even if you weren't necessarily winning five nil even if you weren't top of the table even if we were in seventh like he he made football fun and like if you look at those guys out there, they look they look fucking like they're playing to get off the pitch. They yeah. look like they're playing for the final whistle. Like in in that's like, dude, that's to me, that's heartbreaking to see. That's well, a great doesn't point. that go to the training ground at the end of the day, Gally? In terms of yeah, like I, the press and building that familiarity, like Nuni is just I can understand the Gakpa thing. But you would think, you know what? Okay, these two are going to do this, then you do that. But I feel like Nunez looks like he's never been to practice. He looks like we just signed him as well. Yeah, I, I think Nunez is one of these guys where, to, to your point earlier about the confidence, if you want to talk about a player who looks a breath of confidence to the point where it is negatively impacting them to like do anything, it, it it's Nunez and Trent. It's two players on both ends of the pitch that on two different spectrums of their Liverpool career, right? One is literally at a crossroads because there are now people like screaming, like we should be starting Milner over Trent. And those are like starting to be clamors because honestly his play has been abysmal and he almost looks disinterested to the point that there's something else going on. I mean, he went from being the best right back in the world to arguably whether or not he is in our best 11. He's no longer like he wouldn't start for half, Half of the Premier League teams right now have a right back in better form. He might start because of the talent he has and the wand he has hooked to his hip. But the truth is, on form alone, you know, you'd start both of United's right backs over him. In Juan Basaka, who's played a month, and Dalat, who had been one of them. It's scary, but that's just one team. I mean, there are a ton of those out there, though. I mean, you know, we all love to make fun of Ben White. Ben White walks into this team, starts at right back because, well, he doesn't concede weak goals on the right side of Arsenal's defense. Like, it's a it's a big thing. And I, I, I don't think it's – with Nunez, I think it's – with Darwin, I think it is genuinely more – he needs to score goals and because we saw it. When he started scoring some goals there in that little stretch, his confidence started, and then all the other – we were the havoc and the chaos and all these underlying statistics. But, like – 
the more times he's one-on-one with a keeper and he hit that ball. Great. He, you know, I, I thought he was going to bury it. I, it was, it was fine. He took the right approach. He went the right way. He hit it hard. He hit it low. The guy made a great save, but if that goes in, it's two one. And I could see Darwin getting another one and we go level and maybe we win the damn thing. But instead we get to the third goal. And to your point about the effort, Paul, what Tiago did on the third goal, not tracking Nevis through the box and through the midfield is pure criminal. And I know we're saying he's playing too much. He never defends enough when you actually have to defend. Tiago is that kid like on the playground that jumps in to the fight when there's just someone to break it up, jumps in and gets a hard tackle when you don't need to make the hard tackle just because the manager or the coach is looking and his big older brother's right behind him ready to grab the guy. That's Tiago. And in a moment where he had to track back and actually defend, he went like fringe Tiago. That's beneath me. That's not my job here. And it was like a microcosm of the whole day. He just watched a runner walk in and yeah. score the third goal and kill the game. And I, I gotta be honest, man. I'm like this close to like, don't need to see much more Tiago and God knows I'm going to get him because he's first name on the team sheet and he plays 90 minutes every single match. Pretty much. I was actually shocked. He was out there all day. Uh, Dude, there's Brian, a, go ahead. Oh, sorry. There's a ball from Trent that he knocks over the, so Trent has, you know, he's been terrible all game. He was one in one knock, knocks it 60 yards, 60 yards up pitch over Nunez on a dime. Nunez is in a spot where he's like got the far post wide open to pass it to somebody running in. Gakpo's like 10 yards behind. And I'm like, dude, how are dude, how are you not on your like and he's jogging? And I'm like, dude, if you full sprint, that's you're walking that in. And, like, those are the things, like, you know, you talk about Tiago on the defensive end. There's just a couple of those moments, and I don't want to go after the new kid, but it's like, man, like, we can't – like, those are goals that we need to have. You know, if we're going to claw back into this at any level, we have to have effort goals at this point. Yeah, I mean, Brian says Lunin is trying too hard and forcing the issues. It's all about mentality. And I think, you know, when we talk about confidence and stuff, somebody like that, it could be confidence. Somebody like Gakpo, it could be confidence. But, I mean, the trend thing, and, you know, the talk was like, you know what, bench him for a couple of games, let him watch and learn and stuff like that. And we did that, and I feel like Milner played better than, you know, Trent normally did, but – I mean, you know, I also don't think that's a back to square one. It's almost, yeah, looks I like agree. He didn't watch anything again. So why Bickler? Uh, sorry. Say again. Solution, I guess. Where for Trent, I don't. So like, I think Trent's my personal opinion of Trent is that he's a positive reinforcement guy. Like that's how I would coach him. I don't think he does well with people yelling at him. I don't think he does well when people dog him and he's getting like a lot of over direction. Like, I think he needs that space to breathe. And I think he's a quieter personality. And like, I don't think like, I think you gotta be smart enough. I think the best managers manage multiple personalities differently. And I don't know how that's been with Trent. You know, I think it's one of those things where that jovial, like positive, like loud, vivacious personality. It's great when things are going well. And that's okay for Trent. But what does that look like for Trent when things aren't going well? And I think uh, to me, he just like, like Gally said, he looks like a prisoner to himself right now. Like, I really think that he just looks so lost. And it just goes back to what I said earlier. We're like, it's sad for me to see a player like Trent 
literally looking like he's waiting for the final whistle so he can go home. Yeah, he does have that look. That's a good observation, he, actually. He does have that look. It's like, are we done yet? Until, are we there yet? It's kind of until until he sees his number up on the board because he knows that in his heart he's the best overall footballer on the pitch. In his mind, he's the best player at Liverpool because when he's on his game, he can be. I mean, he's every bit a match winner at right back as Mo is at right wing when he's on his day. We know that. But I honestly feel that 2022 was the most trying year on a really young man's life. And I think this World Cup thing was so much bigger than we ever made it out. The fact that half of England was fighting whether he'd even be included. And then some wanted him to play. And then there was the hate because he was a Liverpool and because he was Scouse. And then there was the, you know, the back and forth and Klopp advocating for him and putting even more pressure on him by calling him the best right back in the world when he was really playing down. His form wasn't that high. And Klopp was demanding Southgate, like, answer why he wasn't playing. Like, I think there was a lot, a lot of pressure on him that we probably didn't actually, that we probably haven't absolutely, like, recognized as being a big part of some of this downplay is he just went through the most mentally charging year. And I think we've seen it. I mean, can I ask you guys, I watch a lot of football. You guys watch a lot of football. Can you remember the last really great match you watched? Any two teams, great match, like fun, both sides up and down and not some four, three match where they had three mistakes. Cause I'll tell you what, I can't remember one since the World Cup. That's for fuck's sake, sure. I think the last like really fun World Cup match was probably the World Cup final, um, and that was just a train wreck because I didn't care. Yeah. But I genuinely think this is affecting football like across all the ladder, and we're seeing it at Liverpool. But like yesterday's City Spurs match was as bad a watch as you could have between two top sides. Spurs had two players that didn't go to the World Cup. Emerson Royale, that terrible fullback from Brazil, and Kulishevsky. Who were Spurs' best two players on the day? Emerson Royale and Kulishevsky. And City's whole team almost went, except for Holland, but no one has woken him up from his slumber yet to let him know they're playing football again since the World Cup ended. I just think it's more across the board. Like, we're getting really bad football, and I think our team on top of it is just at a time where they don't have confidence. And I think that with no legs is like no recipe for success. So we're probably going to have to get used to this for a while. I finally yeah, come around. Big honest, the last I saw a soccer ball this weekend uh, was when the final whistle uh, blew at, <laughs> at the Liverpool you. game afterwards. I just ran away from soccer, uh, but a lot of kills over the weekend on call of duty people on DMZ. I've been kicking some ass. Uh <laughs> Hey, got to kill somebody. Uh, so, uh, Bickler, does the Everton game come as a good time then? Just because it's a game that you have to focus for anyway? Or is it just going to heap all over this team to bring added pressure? Yeah, so when I'm tired and broken-spirited, I want to go up against the Sean Dyche side. <laughs> no, like, it's not good timing. Like, I mean, I think... But the fact that it's Everton, not necessarily Sean Dyche Everton. I feel like we're we, we keep looking for reasons for this Liverpool team to 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 get G'd up and come in, right? And <laughs> there I just, he is. I, I, I don't there think he is. Like I don't think that this is a. They just don't look like a team that's gonna that's gonna get them up. Like 
we've been in situations all year where we've had storylines. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it will for some, I don't, I can't see it. I don't love it. I don't love going up. I don't love going up against a, a physical team on the rebound. I mean, you're probably right in terms of like, yeah, I'm just kind of, I, I mean, we were talking with Galley in the pre-match uh, before the Wolves game. It just felt like we were about to watch a preseason. I had that kind of uh, optimism and like, let's see what happens. Let's see how this guy plays kind of approach to that more than anything else. But what do you think, Galley? You, you think it's going to help kind of like focus the team maybe after yet another disappointing performance? And like a bad performance, too. I mean, there are some games that are like heartbreaks to lose, but we had no business winning that game at all. So it was a clear loss, similar to the Brighton game. Yeah, so um, just about as predictable as mentioning Everton and Kazi finding his way into the comments, like just sliding on in, is me probably picking us to win against Everton at home because I do believe that they are a pretty inferior team. I watched that whole match. Um because I'm a glutton for punishment and get up really early on Saturdays. And Arsenal I'm get you a PlayStation, good. man. Yeah, I know. Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal, well, then I'll be up late at night with you killing me. That's all I need. You will be killing me and 12-year-olds all across the country. Um, Call of Duty. Uh, but, no, I, I – here's the thing. What it comes down to with me is that team wasn't that great either. They were really well organized, and they deserved their three points that they got. The crowd was great and really spurring them on at Goodison. I'd argue I don't know that they'll be able to keep that much energy on a Monday night at Anfield playing on the road. Now, it's probably going to take the Anfield crowd to really get up and, and be behind the side, which I think they will be for, for a derby. So I think we're able to squeak this one out. But I will say this. It's not like it's going to be easy. It's going to be some type of thrashing because we don't do thrashings. We don't score goals. Like, that's the biggest problem. I, you ask me if they'll lose. I'm not sure. I'm going to say, no, they won't lose, but I got to see one go in the net before I say we're going to win. But that's the thing I was like, I guess alluding to like, kind of like what you mentioned, Gally Bickler does the, is this hopefully maybe a kind of game where like the crowd kind of pushes the team into that efforts we were talking about. Cause it's not going to be a game. Like, I feel like if we play it, let's say, I don't know, Bournemouth, right coming off this form and you know 30 40 minutes into it we're not doing so well i can see like more rumblings and ground groans and stuff like that in the stands as opposed to a game that you know anfield is going to get out for because it is everton and that atmosphere is going to be there at least to push these guys maybe across i guess that maybe like i say it goes back to my wishful thinking but do you think that will be a difference at all i mean i think if you're looking for silver linings it's that it's a derby match and these derby matches are physical Right. So, I mean, I think that physicality does bring the crowd into the mix. And I think that should have, like weigh heavily in our favor in Anfield. Um, I, man, I can't bring, I can't bring myself to say that Everton's going to beat us there. I just, we're, we're so, we're so shite right now. I, I would say probably if I had to go score, I'd say maybe one nil, maybe we squeak one out with a Nunez, with the Nunez header somewhere in there. But, um, it's not. It's certainly not going to be easy. Uh, we're not going to walk him off the park. That's for sure. Where is Divac when you need him? Because you really. Right. Well, well, don't ask game. an a, don't ask an AC Milan fan that because they woke up this morning asking the same exact question. Where is Divac when you need him? Because we need him and he is nowhere to be found. Anyone who thought that dude was going to go to Milan and do anything but 
find fashion shows was bleeping insane. We called it here. We let the people, the good people of Milan know exactly what they were getting. And you know what they got? A summer ensemble, a fall classic, and maybe a, a, a winter uh, walk down the runway. You know what they haven't gotten? That many goals. Because he's got two. Hey, what is? But he is Divac. Um, Everton will win 2-0. They have energy. Uh, Alan says, I hope. Yeah, he says, I hope I'm wrong too. But uh, no silly set pieces because that's all Everton, Everton can score from. So Scott, right that's there. One thing, you know, that's one thing that, you know, I mean, Sean Douche is going to come with an organized team that's going to play defense and play that well. And that's what scares me is we are not good at opening any fucking defense, open or close defenses. So uh, I really worry that we're not going to get anything. I think it was Brian earlier saying sounds like a perfect 0-0 kind of game, which it, I can sadly see. Uh, what is your score prediction then, Galley? I'm going to go with Bickler on this because I'm going to stay positive, Galley, and say 1-0. Two things that do not – that's an oxymoron. I know. Bickler I'm going to say positive, Galley, but I'm going to say 1-0. Um, because I want to, I want to, I don't want to say nil nil, and I'm gonna say one nil. Good guys, I don't see Everton scoring at Anfield on Monday. Hmm, I worry about that. So, you're sticking with one zero as well. There, you like a clean sheet is yes. what you're counting on as well. Yeah, well, thanks for God when you put that out there. No, but yes, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's what you said. I'm just repeating it. That's just, I mean, I guess it's a team that can score. Uh, and I, we don't he's know. Cool. I mean, Dave Cosgrove is already having Jota scoring. I don't even know if he's even, I mean, he's supposed to be practicing right. this week, correct? If Jota plays on Monday, I'm feeling much better about every match after Monday. I'm telling you that right now. Because we haven't talked about the injured players in a while, which I think is really fair. Because God knows we have enough of them out that we would just do pods on injured players. But Jota being back to me is like probably the most underrated. I know we talk about Diaz, but what this team's missing right now more than even electrical pace down the left-hand side is random-ass goals, people. Yes. Rags. Like, this team needs some rags. They need some random-ass goals. Like, that's what they need, right? They just need a dude to just pop up out of nowhere. Like, you don't think he can score, and then out of nowhere, he heads the ball in. And you're like, who did that? You're like, oh, it's the short guy. Yeah, wearing weird titties. turn, the ball ends up in front of him somehow when he, like, slots it in. We do miss that. Actually, speaking of injuries, I may have a few minutes over here. Let's pick Bickler's mind. Bickler, while you were shivering and coughing last week on the podcast, we were talking about some of these injuries. And one of the things that we were talking about is if you picked one player, to be in peak form right now, healthy or injured, who would that player be to kind of get this team out of this rut? Hmm. This is making great radio. It is. Yeah, this sorry. Definitely. Just for anyone, anyone just listening, we were playing rock, paper, scissors, just yeah. so you know. All right, I'll go. I go Luis Diaz, but it took me like three players before him to get there. Anyway, yeah. Who else did you have in mind, by the way? Uh, I was debating originally between Firmino and Fabinho because the our statistics say that when Fabinho is out or not playing well, we there is a huge drop off uh, in our possession. 
Yeah, uh, I think we had uh, Diaz and Bobby as well as we're talking finding the impact. I, this team needs to get some goals. And I guess going back to what Galli is saying, that's where Jota might come in handy as well. I'll take what we got. Uh, I was thinking Diaz in. just because it gives you a, a second person on a frontline press on bookended with Mo. And My whole thing is, I would want to say Van Dyke because like a top form Van Dyke, like back to his healthiest Van Dyke, just changes everything at the back. But I just feel like every piece of the back, other than Kanate, who's now hurt again, like looks so fragile and weak right now that I don't even think a perfect Virgil, like Cadillac Van Dyke, can actually paper over the cracks of like older Matip or unconfident Juke Gomez or Trent playing, even Robo playing the way he has. So I almost feel like it has to be someone up top because that's where we need yeah. the spark right now. Well, I don't Probably- think. Line like I don't think a top form verge matters as much if you can't win the ball in your final third. Like that entire system is designed to win the ball up there. And I think one thing that we've done is you know, it's been you know, we talked all this talk about midfield, 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 and then it's a lot easier to pick on the center backs and stuff. But let's face it, the part that's really failing the team right now is the front three where the defending is supposed to start from. And it just is not. And, you know, it's one thing that the goals are not coming. But aside from that, I don't think the defending is starting over there. And when you play a high line like that, and you don't have put any pressure on the ball. And we keep arguing on the midfield. Oh, they got tired legs, tired legs. But really, we're not even pressing the first guy. It's not like, oh, he's passing to the second guy and the other guy is like the midfielder is not on top of him right away. I feel like we're lacking from it from the top. So, a player on top like a Diaz or Bobby and stuff like that, I think would make a world of difference and help every line behind them. Whereas, yeah, like a f- informed Van Dyke is great to have, but you can have four Van Dykes back there right now. If you don't have any pressure on the ball, it does not matter. Somebody's going to exactly. make that run and they're going to be one-on-one, so it doesn't matter. But let's keep – let's be Bickler and be positive. Even Bickler is positive. So we're winning this Derby game next Monday. Uh, actually, it will be the game day. I will probably want to post-match on this. The podcast will be the post-match. And hopefully, we'll be talking about a win. I'll be back Wednesday morning with our very own Egyptian king. I don't know if they play today. I know his Egyptian team was on a roll. So he's pretty happy about that. So we'll probably talk about that. Any other headlines? Let's see if... I mean, so here's the thing, though, by the way. When do you guys think we'll even hear about... The city thing. I know you said end of the season, Galley. Bickler, you think this will drag on? I want to say that short because I feel like it will drag on more. Uh, but I can yeah, make I, a case. I guess I can see the case for like finishing it up this year too. But when do you think next we'll hear about like something actually happening? Right. Like I, says three, I, four years. Jesus Christ. I don't think it will be that long. Because I like Galley says it's almost like they have they're do doing this, this, they're doing this to yeah. make a point. Yeah, like it really just depends how serious they are. If they are doing it to make a point and they're serious about it, I think it will be before the start of next. Of like, next so season. I think it'll be before August. Yeah, I think it'll be before I, I August. I agree. But Brian says May. I feel like yeah, the end of the season is probably the way to go. But I would think over the next few days we will probably get like a lot of more news and stuff. I'm just kind of like hit this morning. But I agree with Galley. I'm sure they knew this was coming. Like City knew this was coming. I don't know if anybody else did, but uh, now everybody is going through their books over there, probably trying to figure out what the hell they did so they don't have the same thing. But we'll be back Wednesday morning. Thanks a lot to all those commenting, joining in tonight. Give us a like, share, and all the good stuff. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Hopefully better than how we did. And next week, 
we'll be back to our winning ways. Just going to keep the positive vibes over here. Take care, everybody.